Light that spark, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to episode 1500 of EO Fire, where I shout out today's most successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. And if you're ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days, visit themasteryjournal.com. Now, let's chat with today's featured guest, Neil Pasricha. Neil, are you prepared to ignite? JLD, I just doused myself in gasoline, baby. <laughs> yes. Neil is the New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness Equation and The Books of Awesome. He is a Harvard MBA, one of the most popular TED speakers of all time. And after 10 years of heading leadership development at Walmart, he now serves as the director of the Institute for Global Happiness. Neil, take a minute, brother, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. Yeah, sure, Jill. Well, listen, for me, um, it all came crashing down in about 2008. My wife left me and my best friend took his own life. And mm. it was actually in that spirit of loss and heartache and, and everything falling apart that I started a little blog called 1000awesomethings.com. The blog took off, hit 50 million hits, won the Webby for best blog in the world two years in a row. And it seemed to sort of spike me into the mainstream with this sort of the book of awesome coming out, my TED talk on the three A's of awesome coming out. And it all sounds fine and dandy. You know, the book sold a million copies, New York Times bestseller list. Everyone's saying like, this guy's the Pied Piper of happiness. <laughs> Only problem was I was totally miserable. Uh-huh. Um, I'd lost 50 pounds due to stress. I was having trouble selling a house and, and finding a place to live as a new, you know, as a newfound bachelor. And um, it wasn't until I actually kind of took inventory of my life, took a step back and put myself out there again, you know, started dating again, started saying yes instead of saying no, um, started hanging out on Fridays and Saturdays instead of just writing that I eventually met someone new. And her name is Leslie. She is a teacher uh, uh, in an elementary school, uh, inner city school. We fell in love. We uh, moved in together. We get engaged. We get married. And here's the story I wanted to tell you, JLD, is that that on the flight home from our honeymoon, she wasn't feeling well. So she, in, in the layover, which is in Malaysia, by the way, she goes to the pharmacy, gets back on the plane, and 50,000 feet above sea level, tells me she's pregnant. Oh. Um, yeah, it's like a good way to score a free muffin on an airplane. By the way, if you ever if you ever want uh, a little, know. In. yeah, they don't good ask for know. they don't ask for proof or anything. So it's great. So then, so then I'm like above, you know, above the clouds, and she's like, "We're going to be parents," and I'm like, "But how do you?" help your kid be happy. And she's like, well, you just love them. And I'm like, it's not as easy as that. I was loved. Um, I have great parents, you know, but, but I have been really having trouble finding happiness for some time. And so that kickstarted a a real new passion project for me, JLD, where I went deep into positive psychology, the work I was doing at Walmart and leadership development. Um, and I eventually wrote a 300 page letter to my unborn son on how to live a happy life. And so that's everything I'm talking about now. The letter was just published as a book um, called The Happiness Equation. And as you mentioned, I'm now directing uh, the Institute for Global Happiness, which is globalhappiness.org. And this is what I'm thinking about. It's like, you know what, how do we shift the world into a more positive mindset? How do we we appreciate everything we have and, and use that positive mindset to sort of increase every other positive outcome in our lives. So now I live um, downtown Toronto with Leslie. We have two little boys, a two-year-old and a zero-year-old. <laughs> and uh, we are thinking about that that thought sort of every day. It doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we don't have bad days, but it means happiness is a real big passion of mine. 
Fire Nation, you knew that I wasn't just going to have any guest for episode 1500 of EO Fire. And that's why I kind of saved this spot for Neil, because listen, this is a person who's been there, who's done that. You know, New York Times bestselling author. You know, he's been, uh, spent 10 years heading leadership development at Walmart. And now he's the director of the Institute for Global Happiness. There's just so many great things on this guy's resume. But I think the key thing is, is this word happiness? Because I talk to you, Fire Nation. I hear from you. You know, we converse, we go back and forth. And when it really comes down and we dig under like the four or five levels of what you want in life, what it really is, is happiness. Like we really are striving for happiness. That's innate within humans. You know, that's why we get up in the morning. That's why we work hard. That's why, you know, we put ourselves out there because we're looking for happiness. And it's this search and it can be a great search. And it's not necessarily a search that we ever want to end because it's part of the journey of life because things are always changing. Those goalposts are always moving but happiness is key. So of course, for episode 1500, I really wanted to just bring in somebody who is such a specialist in this area. And speaking of that, Neil, we like to kind of start off with what I call one big and huge unique value bomb. So you have your area of expertise. Give us one thing that we probably don't know within this area that we probably should. Well, here's a big one. You know, I think that when I was writing my blog and I was scratching out these books on the Book of Awesome and stuff, you know, I thought, hey, this is going to lead me to happiness, right? Like I thought it's it's about commercial success, right? Yeah. Like you sell a lot, you make money, like there, there you go. That's the path. In fact, when I take a step back and I look at all the research, it turns out it's a triangle. Okay, I call it the success triangle. So picture a triangle, three sides, and label the three sides with three different words. One is called sales. Making a lot of money, shipping a lot, selling yeah, a lot. I love that side. Love the great side. Another one's called social. That's critical reviews. Um, you know, nominated for best picture at the Oscars, uh, reviewed in the New York Times book review. If you're writing a book, Ooh, I like um, that side too. Yeah, I like that side. Everyone likes that side. <laughs> and the third one is self. Okay, so we talked about sales. We talked about social. The third side is self. How do you feel about what you're doing? Hmm. And I'm often asked, you know, Neil, how do I be successful? Because I know that's going to lead to happiness. And, and, and here's what I want, JLD. I want you to think of that, that triangle as, as a wobbly board at an old school gym. <laughs> if you push down your foot on any one of those sides or any two of those sides, you're going to pop another one in the air. You can't really have all three. So it's more important to pick which one you want. What I mean is, like here we'll use the movie as, as I mentioned, uh, Academy Awards. Last year – um, spotlight, one best picture. Okay, you can't, there's no higher social honor in the movie industry than best picture at the Academy Awards. Domestic box office, $19 million. Mm. What was Hotel Transylvania 2's box office? <laughs> that was $300 million. They killed it on the sales side, but I, I wasn't seeing too many Academy Award nominations for that, that movie, right? So it's like they kind of oppose. And you often see this critical darlings are not commercial hits. And similarly, the Book of Awesome, which I told you sold a million copies, I never got any fancy reviews. In fact, if, if the fancy book review said anything, they said, it sucks. Don't read it. It's tripe. You know, so so those things contradict each other. And meanwhile, some people just do things for themselves. Like, I want to write my grandma's memoirs or build a great birthday cake for my kid or, or, or build a deck with my bare hands. Fine. Don't expect any social or sales success from it. But the point is, it's a triangle. And, and if you if you think you can have all three, you're setting yourself up for failure. Pick which one you want and aim for it and work on the other two later. 
Wow. I love that. And I love that wobbly scenario visual too. That really kind of hammered it home for me. So Fire Nation, you know, sit back, think about that and just realize that, hey, this is the kind of visual that I can have going forward to maybe have a little more understanding about my feelings, about the direction that I'm moving forward in my life. Now, Neil, you told us during the little intro of, of a devastating time in your life, you know, when your best friend passed away, when you lost your wife or you, you separated from your wife, et cetera. That was a difficult time in your life. But what I want to hear from a story perspective from you is what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. So on the business side, what was that moment? Tell us that story. Okay. Lots of flops. Um, but here I am. I'm going to go back to when I was 23 years old. I graduated from a, a you know undergraduate business program in college, taking the classic high-paying marketing job at Procter & Gamble. I'm now responsible for marketing CoverGirl and Max Factor Makeup, working in a high-rise, uh, you know, making the big bucks and, the, and getting like fancy benefits plans and covers every massage I want and so on. And I think to myself, I want to be an entrepreneur, right? Like, like, forget this. Get me out of here. I walk into my boss's office and I say, I quit. She's like, you got to be crazy. You're you kidding me. You, you got everything lined up for you here. I said, no, I'm going to open a restaurant. Um, <laughs> hey, who doesn't dream about opening a restaurant? Me? I mean, you, everyone's like, yeah, you're smart. But me, I'm like 23. I'm like, yeah, I got I'm going to open up a, a, a I'm going to open up a restaurant. So I quit. I quit my job. I go open up a restaurant. I'm going to flash forward a few months in the story. And like, it's 11 o'clock on a Friday. We've had another money losing month. I'm cleaning the grease trap at the back of the store. Oh late on a Friday when my friends are texting me, like, go out, but I'm too exhausted to do anything uh, other than maybe go home and have a shower before sleeping. And coming in the next morning, that would be a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to start the whole thing again, um, getting phone calls in my evening and weekends that, like, you know, someone had some bad chocolate milk and I got to rush in. And so it is just a nightmare. And it was too much too soon, uh, a money-losing proposition, a business-losing proposition, a career-losing proposition. And the lesson for me was... Uh, Think before leaping and um, think of income streams like legs on a table. You know, you think about a, a table with one leg, like a cocktail table that's high top. You can kick that thing over. Um, these days, my my life, and I'm not saying every table is sort of running water, but like the legs on my table are like, it's like a four or five sided table now, right? With, with speaking and books and, and, and sort of things I'm doing online and so on. So it's like, I jumped from one a one-legged table into another le one-legged table, and like when that table fell over, I was I, the whole thing crumbled. So I, I lost the business, I lost my career, and I lost a lot of money. And it was just too much too soon for me. Think before leaping. That's Neil's big takeaway. I, I want to add something to that as well. Talk before leaping. And what I mean by that is go to somebody who is currently where you think you want to be. So for Neil, that would have been somebody that he admired that was running a restaurant. Go to that person and say, Hey, I'm 23 years old. I have no experience. You know, I have this job and it's going well, but I want to start a restaurant. Talk to a mentor in that industry. Find somebody that will just give you 15 minutes and say, this is what I want to do. Tell them your, your hopes, your ideas, your aspirations, and ask them for the truth. Beg them for the truth. That person hopefully would have been like, Neil, um, this is what happened for the first five years of my life when I was owning this restaurant. And hopefully Neil would have been like, wow, okay, I'm learning now from somebody that was there and did that. And I'm not just assuming certain things and projecting my hopes and aspirations into this quote unquote restaurant and running that restaurant. And that can be a huge time saver, a huge lifesaver, Fire Nation. Find 
people who are where you want to be or where you think you want to be and have conversations. Where were you 20 years ago in my life? I was actually about 13 years old, so sorry. (laughs) Now I'm embarrassed in two ways. (laughs) Neil, let's talk about an aha moment this time. Let's talk about a story where you had this light bulb that went off and you just had this great idea, one of your greatest ideas to date. So tell us that story and how you turned that idea into success. Sure, absolutely. Listen, Fire Nation, I am embarrassed to tell you that for most of my life, I could not swim. Okay, so Mm. I, you know, my mom's from Kenya, my dad's from India, I grew up here in Canada. And I'm like, you know, my sister is is a great swimmer. But I was, um, you know, always having ear infections as a kid, I had tubes in my ears, I actually turned swimming into something that just like I just cut out of my life. I didn't even own swimming trunks. I hung out at the barbecue at the pool party, like it just wasn't going to happen for me. And I realized why it wasn't going to happen. It's because I didn't have the can can do, you know, the capability that that le- that leads to the want to do, which is the motivation, which leads to the do, which is the action. So again, I didn't have can do, so I didn't have want to do, so I didn't have do. Um, no problem. I didn't have to cross any rivers the rest of my life. I'm good. I don't, I don't need to know how to swim. But then on my second date with Leslie, who I already hinted earlier, became my wife, um, you know, she says to me over dinner that night, she's like, so do you like swimming? Uh, this was a heart palpitating moment because I, I, I was, I liked this woman and I didn't want to admit to her that I couldn't swim. I was embarrassed. Right. So I took a sip of water. And I'm like, not really. And she's like, she's like, this is what she says. I can remember JLD exactly. She's like, she's like, no, swimming is my favorite thing to do in the world. You see my entire family, my, my 80 year old cousins, my five year old, uh, sorry, my 80 year old grandparents, my five year old cousins, like we spend the summer at this sort of generational cottage on an island. Mm. And every single morning we jump into the lake and we swim around the island. So she says, I guess you just can't come. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's funny to you. Well, that for me, exactly. So that night I get home, I get home from the day. And before I even think about whether I can do it or whether I want to do it, I just do it. I signed up for adult learn to swim classes at the downtown city of Toronto pool, which for any of your listeners who have seen the pool, you know, it's risky for a couple reasons, (laughs) but but that, that Tuesday night, seven thirty, I walk onto the pool deck. I'm wearing my my life jacket, my goggles. You know, I'm, I'm like walking out there, and guess what I find? JLD, ten people who suck at swimming. Right? They're from landlocked countries. You know, trust forms quickly. So so we they get us into the pool, and they say just walk around the shallow end, hold a flutterboard, and you're done. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm done? They're like, well, that was half an hour. I just walked around the the shallow end. It was up to my waist. And they're like, you're done. See you next week. And I was like. Well, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> so I go back the next week. Guess what? Jump into the shallow end. Here's a flutterboard. Keep your life jacket on. Maybe inch your way to the deep end a bit. They blow the whistle. You're like, you're done. I'm like, no way. I'm done two lessons. I can do this. The next week, I wanted to do it. By the end of eight weeks, which is only four hours of swimming lessons, I could do the front crawl. And that summer, I swam around the island. <laughs> so here's what I learned. I learned that. I learned that it's not... It's not that motivation leads to action, like we all think it does. Instead, action leads to motivation. If you just do it, then you think you can do it, and then you wanted to do it. You, you can't stop. I learned to swim in four hours after being afraid of it for 30-plus years. And I thought more about this, JLD, and I thought, you know what? When I was back in grade 10 science, 
I remember Newton's first law, okay, the man who discovered gravity and invented calculus and the first working telescope. Kind of a big deal. His first law, an object in motion will remain in motion unless acted upon by an equal or greater force. Up until that point in history, we thought that force led to action. He said, no, 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 no. Action continues unless something else stops it. So you know what I did after my swimming lessons? I just signed up again. And for every single challenge I face as an entrepreneur or as a business person, I think, yeah, 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 I don't have, you know, whatever it is, an Instagram account or a new a new website or a, a speaking career or whatever. But if I just do a little bit of it, then I might realize I can do it and then I'll want to do it. And so for anyone listening, personal or business, I say you don't need, if you want to run a marathon, you don't need the perfect shoes and the right playlist. You need to run to the stop sign in your dress shoes. If you want to write that novel, forget the perfect moleskin and the coffee shop with the bright idea. No, you, you need a pen. Like literally that's all you need because if you write a sentence or two, then you'll be motivated to continue. So action leads to motivation, not the other way around. Yeah, and I love how Ernest Hemingway would say he would finish writing every night just halfway done a sentence. And he knew how that sentence was going to end, but he would not finish it purposely because he knew the hardest part for an author is to start writing in the morning. So he could just sit down, finish that sentence, and then off he was onto the next one because that motivation had started because he took that action. So Fire Nation, summing it up, action leads to motivation. Just remember those words. They're four simple words. Action leads to motivation. So stop saying, I'm not motivated or why aren't I motivated? Take action. That will lead to motivation. Now, Neil, you rightfully so are fired up about a lot of things, but what's the number one thing that you are most fired up about today? A lot. Like you're right. I get I get excited. You know, I look at the happiness <laughs> equation. You know, just came out this year. It's coming on paperback. It's been fun to sort of write this letter to my son and watch it kind of blossom into a conversation about happiness. Um, but if I zoom out a bit, it, that's a book. I, I, I'm living one life. You know, we got a lot of struggles in the world right now, and it's easy to get caught up in, in that sort of everyday news, the news cycle, the elections, election cycle, you know, all these like stressful things. And so the thing I'm excited about most is these three words. They're called remember the lottery. Here's how I say it. I say that there are 115 billion people who have ever lived. Okay, I, I had to do a lot of research to find that out. But basically, if you think about every human that's ever been alive, there are 115 billion people. You if you're listening to this podcast, are one of the 7 billion alive today. Right, so you do the math. 7 billion alive today, 115 billion who have ever been alive. You're like, hey, that's a 1 in 15 lottery that I already won. 14 out of every 15 people will never see another sunset, have a bowl of chocolate ice cream, or kiss their kids goodnight ever again. Now, take that 7 billion. I don't know where you are. You might be driving a, a, a truck in Sweden right now or, or you know, blasting your delts in the basement of a gym uh, <laughs> somewhere on the, on the Gold Coast in Australia. I don't know. But I'm saying take the population of your country, okay? Divide it into that 7 billion. I, I'm in Canada, so that's 35 million, okay? So that's a 1 in 200 lottery. Uh, if you're in the States, okay, 1 in 20 lottery. If you're in Sweden, like 1 in 300 lottery. Like, like what lottery did you win to be where you are right now? I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you, you have clean water. Water. 
Okay, uh, you, you feel safe coming out your front door. Um, you can probably be who you want and marry who you please. Okay, these collective set of freedoms are exceedingly rare in the modern world, and if you have them, it's worth being thankful for. And I don't just say that to be trite. I, I'm saying no. On the United Nations World Happiness Report, these are the actual variables determining what countries are happiest. So, U.S., Canada. I'm just because the you know uh, I'm in North America right now. You know, top ten, and these are some of the reasons why. Um, then you keep going down that opportunity curve, JLD. I'm going to make it real easy. If you have internet access and a job, that's a one in four lottery. I know you're thinking, what do you mean? No, I'm saying one in two people in the world have internet access and one in two people have a job. Like it's it's that rare. So you got both. Hey, you, you want another lottery. And if you have post-secondary education, that is a 7% chance. 93% of people in the world don't have that lottery chance. So you keep doing the math. You keep going down, down, down. I say remember the lottery. On days that I get stressed out, and there are many. On days that I feel anxious, and there are many. On days where I think, hey, how do I turn this thing around? Because it's just like you know, one bad thing after one bad thing. There's so much going for us. We just have to pull back out of whatever highs and lows you have in your day-to-day and remember how much you already have going for you. Remember the lottery, Fire Nation. I just love that. Like, you know, remember the lottery. It's it's really just comes down and boils down to those three points. And I actually got some shivers when I was hearing what you were speaking about, Neil, because, you know, we don't always keep that perspective and it's so important. I mean, I can remember so clearly when I was back in Iraq, when I was an officer in the U.S. Army and, you know, there was mortar rounds dropping and there were bullets firing. I remember just thinking to myself, if I ever get safe, you know, I'll never take anything for granted again. But, you know, that was, you know, 12 years ago. And, and I find myself taking things for granted all the time now. Exactly. A meeting gets canceled, an email comes in, you suddenly your brain flips into fight or flight mode. And this is part of the problem with happiness is, is that we think you have to work hard in order to be successful, in order to be happy. Study hard, get good grades, be happy. But all the research shows the models backwards. If you can remember the lottery first, choose to be happy, maybe get some exercise in, some meditation, a bit of journaling, sure. Then you're happier. And then you do great work and you have the big success. Productivity, creativity, sales, everything skyrockets later if you can just remember the lottery at the beginning. Fire Nation, we could drop the mic right there, but we're not going to because we have the lightning round coming up. We're going to take a quick minute first to thank our sponsors. For entrepreneurs, top quality coffee isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. But exceptional coffee requires finding exceptional beans. Thankfully, there's Stay Roasted. With Stay Roasted, you get 100% specialty grade coffee beans, hand selected to your taste and delivered fresh. It's simple. Set some basic preferences and let your roasters handle the rest. Yeah, your roasters. Pick from dozens of America's top craft coffee roasters for your personal roast. Lineup. Your top roaster will match you with the finest beans and deliver them fresh. When it's refill time, your next roaster is queued and ready to roast. Stay roasted plans start at only 60 cents per brewed cup, and there's no commitments. Try it for yourself. Visit stayroasted.com slash fire to get your first bag of coffee for free. That's stayroasted.com slash fire. 
If you're like me, Fire Nation, you spend a good amount of time on the road and even a greater amount of time in your office. That means it's important to have the right equipment set up so you can run your business no matter where you are. Maybe for you, that's the HP Business Line. With elegant designs that are rugged and travel tested, the HP Business Line is perfect, whether you're running your business on the go or in the office. Plus, HP offers industry-leading security with up to a three-year warranty and 24-7, 365 free customer support. Get free professional advice and anytime support from ones who know HP products best. Right now, you can get an exclusive offer, 30% off select HP business products. Just visit hp.com slash on fire and enter code fire at checkout. That's hp.com slash on fire, code fire to get 30% off select HP business products. Neil, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? The sky is getting dark and I see, <laughs> I, I see, I see the moving in. I'm ready. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? You know, it was fear. It's that table leg analogy I mentioned before. And it was the idea that if I took this leap um, and I moved into the idea of writing and speaking full time, that somehow the bomb would drop out of me like in the restaurant example. And I would once again be scrounging. So uh, pure, honest fear, just genuine fear. What's the best advice you've ever received? Don't take advice. Um, Those three words sound trite, but here's the thing. The most concrete advice of all actually just agrees with what you're already thinking. We're just looking for an alibi. And if you look at cliches, you know, is it action speaks louder than words? Or is it the pen is mightier than the sword? Is it uh, good things come to those who wait? Or is it the early bird gets the worm? Even on the most classic advice of all, you can always find an equal or exact opposite. For anyone listening who's ever asked for you know, parental advice on what they should name their child or, or aunt and uncle advice on where you should go to school, do you notice it all conflicts with each other? It represents their opinion, not yours. So the best advice of all is don't take advice. Search within yourself and know that the answers are already there. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? Whenever I meet someone for the first time at like a lunch or a dinner meeting, like a business meeting, I'm always the last person to bring up business. I know there's a lot of arguments going on about like make every meeting like a 15-minute meeting, you know, go, go quick, kind of like move on. I, I take the opposite approach. How much stuff can I connect with this person first? Do we have a similar author we loved? Have we seen a similar movie? Do we both have young kids? And then by the time business is brought up, and I let them always be the first to bring it up, we've got so much connective tissue developed in our relationship that everything else is easier. I can think about some of the most important business relationships I have today, and I still start every conversation with like, hey, have you read the new David Mitchell book or whatever it was that we first started talking about? Hey, how's your kids doing in school? We're, we're, we're really struggling with this one. And like that personal connection can, can make everything easier in business. Be the last person to bring up business when you're meeting someone for the first time. Can you share an internet resource like Evernote with Fire Nation? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really hooked on this new app. It's called Reco, R-E-C-O. And for anyone who likes Goodreads, you know, and I put my hand up for that one, (laughs) Reco is like the staff picks wall at at an independent bookstore. So if you are an independent bookstore fan like I am, I always go for the staff picks because it's like these are personal, curated, interesting books that, you know, I find from the millions of books out there. Well, Reco, you know, you can follow me. I'm at Neil Pasricha, um, is my personal book picks. And I can follow your personal book picks. And so it creates a really nice 
staff pick wall feel of everyone's book recommendations, I find I get interesting books that I haven't heard of in a better way than sort of through the traditional like online recommendation engine, which doesn't seem tailored enough to me, you know? Based on that, I'm pretty excited for the next question. And I will say, if you could recommend just one book to join the happiness equation and the books of awesome on our bookshelves, Neil, what would it be and why? I'm going to have to go with The Black Swan uh, by Nassim Taleb. And the reason I recommend this, this was on my bookshelf for years before I read it, but it is so, so good at demystifying everything in life, chaos, order, uh, risk, into really, really simple advice. Like, for example, go to parties. Um, why, Why does he say go to parties? Because the odds of meeting interesting people and having interesting conversations are huge. He paints a portrait of the world showing how random it all is and then says, at the end of the book, you you should simply increase your chances of random positive events occurring to you, of black swan events occurring to you in order to live a great life. Um, it's a, a little bit more of a complex read, but for those that love business reads or philosophy reads, I would highly recommend The Black Swan. Neil, I want to end today on fire, brother. So give us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. My name is Neil Pasricha. I am easily reached at Neil at globalhappiness.org. Yes, I totally just gave my email address because <laughs> I love I love giving away email addresses. I think it's the best way to connect with people still uh, in this day and age. And of course, if you want me on Twitter, I'm at Neil Pasricha. And that parting piece of guidance. Okay, my last piece of guidance is get a library card and use it. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with MP and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com. Just type in Neil, that's N-E-I-L, in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz. Timestamps, links galore. And Neil, just one more time, you gave your email address, which was incredibly kind. What was that again? It's Neil, N-E-I-L, at globalhappiness.org. I read and respond to every single email in a, in a specific email window. It's my it's one of my greatest joys. I really would never trade it away. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, should I drop him a line? Please do. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk. Love that. Fire Nation, take him up on that. If you were inspired at all by this interview, and I really hope you were, shoot him an email, even if it's just a thank you for ha- having him spend the time to come on and chat with us today. If you have a question for him, just, just take advantage of these opportunities. I, I love this. And I just want to say, Neil, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much, JLD. And thanks everyone in Fire Nation. It was a great time. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Neil today. And we have a free eight-day goals course for you over at freegoalscourse.co. Get goal-focused, Fire Nation. And I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. Every business needs the right equipment setup so you can run it no matter where you are, on the go or in the office. Right now, you can get an exclusive offer, 30% off select HP business products. Just visit hp.com slash on fire and enter code fire at checkout. That's hp.com slash on fire, code fire to get 30% off select HP business products.